Thank you, Brother Randy. Now from the 17th Psalm, and I'll read again the 7th verse through the 9th verse. And uh, I've been preaching a little bit on Sunday night from the Psalms, and I've put it to you this way. I've been looking through them and looking for the low-hanging fruit, uh, these passages of Scripture that are uh, uniquely a blessing. And this one here, I, I picked up on something. The psalmist says this in verse 7, Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that save, savest by the, thy right hand, them that put their trust in thee from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wing from the wicked that oppress me from my deadly enemies who compass me about. Now, of course, in the Psalms and those that were written by David, we know something of his experience and how that he was a hunted man and how that he trusted the Lord. And of course, I've been uh, amazed uh, in reading the Psalms that he wrote uh, about how that uh, it seems that when we go through the worst trials in life and the deepest trials in life, that we are, are, are pressed to turn to the Lord and seek His uh, help and His leadership and His guidance and the strength that can only come from Him. David's one of the awesome examples of that and reading uh, those, uh, those statements that he made related to it. And of course in our studying from some of these psalms recently, we've actually gone into detail about what was going on in his life even when he wrote a particular psalm. And so he was a man that had a lot of troubles, and of course it's reflected in these three verses uh, that he shares with us. But the part that caught my attention uh, here was just two little words that David spoke. When he said, keep me, when he said, keep me, keep me as the apple of the eye and hide me under the shadow of thy wing. What an awesome blessing it is to go through life knowing that we can call out to the Lord and ask Him uh, to keep us or keep us safely. And the way He says it here are, is unique uh, as the apple of the eye and under the shadow uh, of thy wing. And of course, uh, we would pray that prayer because we believe that. We, we believe that. And I, I think that is an important thing. You know, people wouldn't ask the Lord for what they didn't believe. What they didn't believe could be true. And so I've been sharing with you some thoughts on the keeping power of God. And not only His keeping power, but His desire and His willingness to keep us in His care. What a wonderful and uh, amazing truth that that is to us, a comforting truth to know that that is a reality. Now what, what, I, what I had been doing was I had been sharing with you just some scriptures related to that, uh, that matter of keeping us. And um, I had shared with you what the Bible tells us in John chapter 10 about the fact that we're in His hand and nothing can take us uh, from His 
hand and uh, separate us from Him. And even the messages that I brought on Sunday morning about about uh, about His keeping us and 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 uh, and and working in us those those things that we need to uh, be a conqueror uh, against whatever it might be that would separate us. Uh, from his love and from his power so the keeping power of God and I I don't believe we would pray it if we didn't believe it if we didn't believe that it was true we didn't believe the Bible uh, teaches us that God has the power to keep us and the will to keep his own safely so I've been sharing those scriptures with you we looked at it in John 10 we looked at it in John chapter 17 the intercessory prayer of our Lord Uh, praying for us. He said, I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me. What an awesome truth that it is there. So I want to, what I want to do is I want to just take you to some more passages of scripture, uh, about that. And, And as I've told you, I don't think that I need to persuade any of you that are here tonight that he has the power to keep us and that he has the will to keep us. And so these passages that I'm sharing with you are passages that are really familiar. When I, when I looked through the Bible and I found some of them, I thought, you know, I, I don't need to teach anybody at Emmanuel that God has the power to keep us and has the will to keep us. These passages are so familiar. And so as I've said to you, uh, what, what they could be for us is texts that would lead us to worship Him, worship Him through the Scripture. No matter how familiar a passage may be, uh, it can still be a blessing. The next one I want to call your attention to is found in the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians and chapter number 1. Philippians chapter 1. And, uh, uh, and it, it is, I want to read two or three verses uh, that leads up to it. Philippians chapter 1, and we'll start in verse number 3. Now remember, these are passages of Scripture that we know all too well, and uh, about every one of the ones I'm going to share with you, I've uh, quoted many times or made reference to many times, but I think we can use them as a tool to worship the Lord. So here's what Paul said uh, to the church of Philippi. Verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then here's the verse. Here's the verse. I know you know it well, but let's look at it. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, as I've shared with you many times with this passage of Scripture, it tells us what God has started, he will finish. What God has started, he will finish. That's what that verse says. Paul writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit He is confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So I believe when the Lord saves someone, that's the start of a good work. And praise the Lord, what a good work it is for God to save a person. 
and, uh, and to know that we have a right relationship with Him and that He's made a promise like that. That when He starts something, He's going to finish it. And I've said it this way a lot of times. I just don't believe the Lord starts anything that He's not going to finish. Why would He do that? Why would He do that? And you know I'm a firm believer in the security of every blood-bought believer. I believe in the perseverance of every true saint and the preservation of every true saint. I believe that with all my heart. I've, I've believed it. I can't remember when I didn't believe that. So I believe that when God saves someone, He intends to do exactly what happens, what He says here in this verse of Scripture, that He'll perform that work unto the day of Jesus Christ. And I've, I've even asked this question before. Uh, it, you know, it, we know God knows everything, right? He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He's always known everything. He always will know everything. And what if he knew that a person was going to go to hell forever? Would he have ever, would he ever save them? I don't believe he would. I believe when the Lord saves someone, he intends to take them to glory. Amen? I believe that. I believe with all my heart. So that's a wonderful verse related to that. Now I'll share another one with you that is closely related to it. And it's found in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's in uh, chapter 3. Ecclesiastes in chapter number 3. And it says, uh, says close to the same thing that our verse in Philippians says. Here's what it says. He says in the 14th verse, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Whatever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before Him. We should have a reverence for our God. Because this is true. This is what it says. That nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. He says, whatever God does, it is forever. And that's true. It is just true. And so those two verses of Scripture are closely related. Now let me give you another one. And this one is in the, in the book of Colossians. It's the next book over from the book of Philippians. It's in Colossians and it is in the third chapter. Colossians chapter 3. And I'll read the first four verses of that chapter. If ye then be risen with Christ, and that word if there means since you are risen with Christ, that's talking about the spiritual resurrection. The Bible is very clear in teaching that that's what happens when God saves someone. It is a spiritual resurrection. He took something dead and he gave it life. And so he says... If you then, or since you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ set us on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things uh, on, on, er, on, on the earth. Set your affections on things that are above. And here's what he says related to that in verse 3. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life shall appear, 
Then shall you also appear with him in glory. And so those are firm words that he says there uh, related to that. Now, let me give you another one. In the book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 1. In 2 Timothy and chapter number 1. And it says, it says this in the uh, 12th verse. In the 12th verse. For, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Listen to what he says. Nevertheless, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And so, this was Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I am persuaded of that, that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And I've often said this related to that passage of Scripture. It is what we've committed unto him. And I, I can speak for myself. I have committed by keeping unto him. Because he has promised that he would, he has the power to do so, and he has the will to do so in our life. So Paul was persuaded of something. That the Lord was able to keep that which we have committed unto him against that day. Then in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, in chapter 4, and uh, look with me in the 18th verse. And here's what it says. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. He says that God would preserve us into his heavenly kingdom. Uh, and then in Hebrews chapter 7, if you'll turn there. And I'm going to try tonight to get all these in and uh, so, so we can move on to the next wonderful truth that's found in the Psalms. In chapter 7, and I'll read verse 24 and 25. And here's what it says. But this man, because he continueth ever, talking about Christ, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, or because of that fact, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That doesn't stop. Once we come to Christ, his intercessory ministry doesn't stop. And so it says, wherefore, or because that, he is able to save to the uttermost. That word uttermost, and you can look that up if you want. It means save all the way to the end. All the way through. All the way to the end. So that's a wonderful passage related to that. Then in the 13th chapter of Hebrews, I'll share another one with you. In chapter 13, in verse 5 and 6, it says this. Let your conversation, this is your lifestyle, your manner of life, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Oh, what a wonderful piece it is to be able, for that to be true in our life. No, whatever we have, whatever we have, just to be content, just to be content. What a wonderful blessing that is. And, uh, and the opposite of that, being able to be content, uh, Paul said that, be, uh, that he learned to be content in whatever state he was in. And the opposite of that, of course, is covetousness. I've told a little story about one of my grandchildren uh, coming to the house and, 
and uh, was telling Sue, you know, I want this and I want that. And I never will forget that. She said, I want, I want, I want, I want. That's everything you've got to say is I want. <laughs> well, a lot of people have an attitude like that toward all, everything in life, just constantly wanting something and never satisfied with what they've got. It's a wonderful blessing to be able to be content, as it says here, with such things as you have. And this, here's the part I want to bring out in that verse. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And it's almost here as if when you have that promise and you know that that's true and that's real and you believe that and you grasp onto that very thing, it's awful easy to be content with whatever you have. Amen? Because what you have is the best anyway. You couldn't have anything any better than that and uh, know the Lord and have that promise that He's made. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then in that next verse it says this, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is my helper. And so we can pray that prayer, Lord keep me. Now the, another one I want to share with you is First Peter and chapter number 1. First Peter chapter number 1. And I want to read in your hearing verse 3 through verse 5. And this is a precious passage, one that we uh, know so very well. He says this in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us. That word, that means born us. Give birth, spiritual birth. Begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then verse 4 says this, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And then this fifth verse says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept by the power of God. That very verse states what I've been sharing with you. The keeping power of God. I, I have to tell you this past week I was, I was uh, uh, walking past a bookshelf in my study at home and I saw this book. As a matter of fact, I probably had it for 20 years or more. But I had never opened it, never looked at it or anything. But the title of that was The Keeping Power of God. And I thought, well, that's what I've been preaching about, is the keeping power of God. Well, I grabbed that book and sat down there and I was going to look in it. There wasn't a thing in that book related even closely to what I've been sharing with you. The verses that bear that out. That what the Lord does, He does for keeps, for good. Or He wouldn't do it. He would not do it. And so that verse says we are kept by the power of God through faith. What an awesome truth that is. And then I'll give you another in Jude, in the, in the book of Jude, uh, and verse number 24. Verse number 24. And here's what it says. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling... 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is he who is able to keep us. Isn't that that awesome? And that's the one we trust uh, with all our heart for that. And you know, there's several things talking about his keeping power. I just noted several things. I'll give you some of them uh, real quickly. He's able to keep us from the power of the flesh within. Now that's where we do battle. We do battle with that, is with the flesh. And so he's able to keep us uh, from the uh, power of the flesh that is in us. And, and it's the old nature that's powerful and asserts itself in our life. In the book of Galatians, in chapter uh, number 5, and we're familiar with this one too, and uh, I'll read it, Galatians in the 5th chapter, and in verse 16 uh, through 26, here's what it says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what guards us from that. Not fulfill the lust for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are these, are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulence, wrath, strife, sedition, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like, of the which I tell you before, uh, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now you see, there's a battle. There's a battle. And you say, well, when God saved me, didn't He take that away? No, that old nature's still there. And I will tell you, you, we're reminded of it. We're reminded of it all the time. And it causes us to uh, see the need to trust in the Lord. And I've got several other things, but since we're going to have a, a real short business meeting, we'll, uh, we'll close this part of our Bible study. And Brother Ronnie can come and lead us in uh, lead us in a closing number and uh, we thank God for the wonderful truth that he keeps us keeps us always father we thank and praise you for this truth and we ask father that you would uh, bless us now as we sing a closing number and it is always our desire that if there is anyone present that you've been that you've dealt with and spoken to needs to make some commitment Uh, for your honor and for your glory, and of course always for our good, that this might be the very moment when it would happen. We'll give you the praise for what you do for us and in us and through us, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now would you stand together with me?